You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I'm Rabbi T. Jacobson with NM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. We are now, I was going to say we're now in summer, and two days ago it was freezing, but really, really, we are now in summer, which interesting enough means we are at the saddest part in the Jewish calendar. And I think we need to figure out, first of all, why is it the saddest part? And then the second question really is, is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? Is there a reason for it? Who cares? That is really what I want to spend time today working through. So first we need to know what's going on. So this Sunday is a fast day. It is called the 17th of Tammuz or Shavasar Tammuz, and the Mishnah says five tragedies happened on this day, which is why we're fasting. And as we've discussed in the past, most of the fast days in the Jewish calendar, um, are, they work around the destruction of the temple, except for the fast of Esther, Tainas Esther, and of course Yom Kippur. But besides that, the other four really, really re- revolve around the destruction of the temple. But the Mishnah says there were five things that happened. So let's first go through them, and then we can talk about what I want to talk about. So first of all, we know by um, the revelation of Sinai at Mount Sinai when Moses um, receives the Torah, that happened on the sixth or seventh day of Sivan. Forty days later, Moses comes down with the two tablets, with the two luchais. And the Jewish people couldn't handle it. Okay, lots of explanations. The evil inclination fooled them into believing Moses had died. And they made a golden calf. They didn't really want it as an idol. They wanted it as a go-between. But at the end of the day, it's an idol. At the end of the day, some people served it. And the rest of the Jewish people did nothing about it. So therefore, Moses sees the idol. He sees people dancing. He breaks the two tablets. So tragedy number one is the breaking of the two tablets. Now, it's true that Moses goes up another 40 days and prays. And then he goes up another 40 days and gets the second tablets. But there was major differences between the first tablets and the second tablets. Um, it says, if Moses never would have broken the first tablets, we could have studied every topic once and be proficient. Understand it, clarity, um, remember everything, which would be amazing because I know I review stuff over and over and over, and I still forget and my kids ask me questions that a year ago I knew the answer, and now i got to go check it up again. It's uh, We forget. The, the second tablets, the second luchais, did not have that ability to make sure everything we studied r- remained with us, that there was a retention, a permanent retention. So that is tragedy number one. 
Tragedy number two, and this seemed to have happened a few different times between the first and second temple period, and that was the daily sacrifice was stopped. And it's even when the, at different times in history, when the walls were surrounded by the enemy, for whatever strange reason, the enemy would allow us to send down a basket of gold coins, and they would send up a couple of sheep so we could keep bringing sacrifices. Now, why they would let, I don't know. But they got the message from traders inside the walls that what's keeping you outside and protecting the city of Jerusalem is these constant sacrifices. Stop sending sacrifices, and you'll be able to conquer them. So that was a second tragedy. Um, a third tragedy in the second temple uh, is the walls were breached. In other words, they finally broke through the walls of Jerusalem. In those days, you had, your city walls were monstrously thick, and uh, each side was basically protecting the walls. You, you, for whatever reason, again, I don't know the exact dimensions, you didn't attack by scaling the wall. You surrounded the city, you tried to cut off the water supply, you tried to cut off the food supply, you built your towers so you could shoot over the wall. It was a long, drawn-out process. In other words, the people in the city generally understood they had to have food to last a couple of years. And the question was, who could outlast who? Are you willing to feed and park your entire army outside my city for multiple years? If whoever outlasts whomever is who's going to win. But in this case, they broke through the walls, and that, of course, is the beginning of the end of the destruction of the Second Temple. And two more. Now, this is debatable who exactly was responsible. There was a man, an officer by the name of Fustimus. He burnt a Torah scroll, publicly burnt a Torah scroll. And an idol was placed in the temple. Now, that's debatable, was that, because it happened a few times. You had Menashe, who was a Jewish king who did it. You had the Greeks, who definitely did it. So exactly at which point in time is not clear for the Mishnah, but certainly this did take place, whether it was a Fusimus who did it or Manash who did it. This is definitely something that happened. So these are the five tragedies that begins what's called the three weeks. There is a three-week period of time from the fast on Sunday for three weeks till we lead up to Tishavav, that is the the ultimate of our crying and fast days, because that is the anniversary of the destruction of two temples. The first and second temple were both destroyed on Tishabav. So you see right there that there's something to be said about this time period. God decided this is the time period in the calendar the tragedy will take place. Yes, it's true. We'll talk about it in a couple weeks from now, I hope. Um, the spies who went to spy out the land in Israel. They came back, and they came back with a bad report, and the Jewish people cried. The day they cried was the night of Tisha B'av, the ninth of Av. So God says, you're crying for no reason. You're crying that you're listening to them, that it's not a good country. It's a great country. Israel's amazing. So you're crying for no reason. I'm going to make this a day to always cry. This will be a crying day. So now, okay, that's given us a basic overview during this three-week period um, there's numerous um, laws that were added to lessen the joy during this period. For example, um, no music, no concerts, no weddings during this three-week period, no haircuts. Some people don't mind that. Um, that's the first 
part of the three weeks, once we hit what's called the nine days, or for Svardim, the week the Tishabav uh, falls out in, which I think it's a Sunday this year, so there is no week. But in any case, no meat, no wine, um, uh, less bathing, no swimming. We try to, we don't buy new houses and new stuff. We, we, we tone it down. It's interesting, it takes place during the summer. It is really fascinating, at least in, it's like the heat of the summer. But in any case, so that's the time period. Good. So I get that this is not a good time period. But I myself had a few questions. I was sitting down yesterday, and I said, what, what, what do I want to find out? What do I want to get some clarity in? So um, I, I pretty much wrote down three questions. Why are we still crying? Okay, this happened a long time ago. It was a terrible tragedy. It was terrible. But what, what's that got to do with me now today? I'm crying because of what happened in the past? We all know the past happened. You got to move on and get with the program. Like, wh- why am I crying over what happened all those years ago? That's number one. Number two, I think even though I told you the tragedies, and it's really part of the same question, but the question is, what are we really crying for? Am I really crying because the tablets were broken? Is that what I feel bad about? Am I really crying that they couldn't bring the sacrifice that day? Why am I unhappy? Why am I sad? Why am I reading all this poetry that talks about the destruction? Why am I doing this? And um, also what to think about is uh, what does it help? Is, Is the purpose of this crying that I'm saying that I want the Messiah to come, the temple should be rebuilt. I mean, I do that three times a day in my prayers. Right, so what am I doing more right now? Those were the three questions that I wanted to discuss. And hopefully, we will, uh, as we travel through some interesting ideas, we will come to a, an amazing con- conclusion. Happens to be, it's coming from a verse Uh, but it's quoted in many places, that those who cry for Jerusalem will rejoice in its rebuilding. Right? If you cry about it, you will merit to rejoice in the rebuilding. So even this is problematic. Because we have, throughout the millennium, there's been amazingly great rabbis, Maimonides, Nachmanides, the famous Rashi, just to name a few. Right? We can name thousands. But you can imagine that they... They understood the loss of the temple, and they cried, and they cried, and they're not here anymore. So where exactly do we get the fulfillment of that those who cry about the destruction will rejoice in its rebuilding? Maybe you want to tell me that they'll come back alive when there'll be what's called Tchis HaMesim, Resurrection of the Dead, but the problem is, by that time, it's a fait accompli. It'll be a different, it'll, for the most part, it will be a different kind of world. So they're not going to rejoice in its rebuilding. When they come back, it'll be a whole different situation. So what do we do with this? So I think all these questions put together, we can figure out something quite fascinating. So here we go. First of all, you need to know like this. We, we regret a loss, by regretting something that we lost, that will give us a spiritual opportunity. What does that mean? So it means like this. Um, we have, for example, um, the second year the Jewish people were in the desert, so it was time for the Passover sacrifice. It was also going to be the last 
Passover sacrifice in the desert, but we're up to the last Passover sacrifice. A group of people were unclean, impure. They could not bring the sacrifice. So they came complaining to Moses. It's not fair. What do you want me to do? You're unclean. It's not your fault. You were taking care of somebody who died. Very beautiful. You can't do everything. You're impure. You lose. Like, and a lot of people, by the way, if you tell them, okay, everyone has to do this and this command. Oh, but you three guys, because you're involved in a Project X, you're not required. I just think anybody in an office, anybody in a, in a children in a class, if I take away one of your requirements, are you all upset? You can't take this test. I'm sorry. Because you did well on the last three tests, I'm just not letting you take the test. Oh, I feel so terrible. Please, please let me take the test. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. So it must be, and by the way, so what happened? So Moses says, okay, one second. He goes to God, and God tells him there is a second chance for the Passover sacrifice. If you are not clean, if you're impure, by the first Passover sacrifice, a month later, you can bring a second Passover sacrifice. Okay, second chance. What's the deal, right? So the answer is really what I, what I was telling you. If somebody very much feels terrible that he lost an opportunity for spiritual growth, right? That's really the words. If I lost my opportunity for spiritual growth, so God will give me another chance. These guys didn't care so much that they won't be able to have a barbecue lamb. What they cared about was if I don't get to bring the Passover sacrifice, that will affect me spiritually, and I don't want to lose that. So Nachmanides says like this. He says, going to, when we're talking about going to the land of Israel, we want the temple rebuilt, what do we want? Right? Moses wanted to go into the land of Israel, even if he wouldn't be the leader, and God said, you're not going to the land of Israel, what do you want? Right? He doesn't need to be on a farm with with uh, flowing milk and honey and juicy fruits. It's very beautiful. It's very nice, right? That's not what he wanted. When I go to land of Israel and I have the opportunity to do many commands, first of all, some that I can't do out of Israel. Second of all, some of the commands are not as beneficial, are not as powerful when I do them out of the land of Israel, when I do them in the land of Israel. So, uh, so I, I do not have the ability to connect with God the way I would like to connect. In other words, my goal in life is to perfect myself. I was studying last night with somebody, uh, Masil Sisharim, and the, 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 the point, the purpose of all the commands that I do is not just to do the commands. I'm not a robot. It's to fulfill them so that I create a connection between me and God. The more perfect I do the commands, the more perfect, the more complete my connection to God is. So if I, again, I have to do everything. I have to do all the commands. It's not good enough to just do one of the commands. I was discussing with him, well, you know, they tell beginners just to, just to do one command and two commands. I said, of course, that's beginners, right? We've got to start somewhere. But the, there's an end goal over here. And the end goal is to do as many commands that apply to me as possible, to do them as, as complete as possible, and that will make me into a perfect person. That's, I'm looking for perfection. Um, in Jeremiah, 
there's a verse, I didn't write it down, but it says the word crying, dema, three times. So it says one for the first temple, one for the second temple, and one because we left the land. The first temple, even though the temple was rebuilt, but once the first temple was lost, I lost the divine presence. That level of feeling God's spirituality left with the first temple. So I lost that. Then comes the second temple. It is true in the second temple, it says people would go to the second temple and they would see the royalty of the priest and the high priest and they'd see the Levites singing and their instruments and they'd see how the sacrifice were brought. It was impossible not to become a changed person. That was your job to keep the change, right? But the goal was to become a changed person. And again, we're talking spiritually. If I become a changed person spiritually, right, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my connection with God. The, 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 the question is, um, what's the third one? The third one is, it says that we lost the experience of living in Israel. Not now, modern-day Israel. That's, that's not the, the experience that we're crying about, because we're still crying for the temple, right? We don't say in Israel that just because we're in Israel now we don't cry. Of course we cry, because it's the wrong Israel. It's beautiful to have a modern country and wealthy and, and charitable and, and a lot of tourists. It's all very beautiful, don't get me wrong. But you can't compare the... Um, He's famous, Josephus. Uh, he wrote a lot of history for the Romans. He was a traitor. Don't, uh, he was Jewish. He was a traitor. Um, his, he had one of the armies, I believe, in the Galil. And he basically, um, he, uh, he surrendered, or he had his army kill themselves, and he kept himself alive. So the Romans, of course, took him, and he became their historian. There's a lot, a lot of stuff that he writes in history for the Romans. And he writes about the Jewish people also. But he was a traitor. So in any case, um, he writes of the thousands of Torah teachers throughout Jerusalem. It was in the air. And it was only because we were in Israel. And it was when we say, when we cry that we had to leave the land of Israel, coming back today is not good enough. We want that level of spirituality that we merited to way back when, where we had that ability to have a closer connection to God. We don't have the first temple. We don't have the second temple. We don't have all those teachers there where everybody is studying. So we don't have that opportunity to become closer. Continuing in this thought, we also lost what's called prophecy. And as you have the, the concept that God would speak to his prophet, and the prophets would go around telling people what they were doing wrong. So is that a good thing? I don't, nobody likes to hear when they're doing something wrong. Your kids like to hear when they're doing something wrong. I don't think so. Which, by the way, is part of the problem. Right? In other words, I, I tell my class, when I have to discipline them, I have to tell them they're doing something wrong, I, I, I tell them, I say, I'm not angry at you. I'm not mad at you. I say all the time, I teach third grade. I said, you're acting like a bunch of third graders. Oh, we are third graders. I said, yes, you are. But we hope that as life goes on, you don't remain a third grader for your whole life, right? We want you to improve. You need someone to tell you when you're doing something wrong. You can have a young couple. If, uh, if no one's allowed to tell them when they're making mistakes, then it's just over. They'll make a few mistakes and it just gets worse and snowballs. People make mistakes. The goal is not to tell everyone I'm perfect.
The goal is I make mistakes. Please correct me if I make a mistake so I can improve upon myself. That's what prophecy was all about. You went to the prophet. The prophet helped you correct your mistakes. If I have somebody correcting my mistakes, there's no problem. Then I go ahead and I... uh, and I, I become a better person. I, become, I can become more spiritual. I can, I can become more connected to God. And as we keep saying, that's what it's all about. Um, I actually have a book I'm reading. I think in two weeks I have guests. That, uh, so all this um, in Stanford, they have this whole program where they teach. It's like they teach social skills. But on a high level for business people. And it's a very famous course we're going to talk about. It. I think it's called Connect. And, and the goal is... To, to be able to tell someone they're doing something wrong, right, to help the person, not to show you're better, not to knock them down, but that they should become a better person. Okay, so, but now we got to tie it all together. So here's the deal. When we cry for something we've lost, and now I've explained to you what we've lost, right, and as we had three questions, why are we still crying, right? What are we crying for? So why are we still crying because not so much that, you know, the, the tablets were broken, the sacrifice wasn't brought, they burnt it. I, that's not what I'm crying about. I'm crying that I don't have the ability to increase my connection to God, to increase my level of spirituality. That's what I'm crying about. I want to become closer to God. I don't know, the first temple, how do I do that? I, I, I'm, I'm crying out of the second temple. I'm crying I don't have the land of Israel the way it once was. So I'm crying not for the stuff. I'm crying because I don't have that ability to become that great person. That's what I'm crying about. Now, let's take it a little further, right? So, so that's why I'm still crying. So I'm crying to become a better person. So my last question was, what does it help? And connected to the question of what does it help, the question is those great rabbis, they cried, and it says those who cry um, about the destruction of Jerusalem, they will merit to, to rejoice in the rebuilding. So they didn't get it. Where's their, uh, where's their return on investment, as other shows would say? So the answer is, like we said at the very beginning, if a person is, 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 it regrets feels terrible that he does not have the opportunity, the ability to increase his level of spirituality, God says, no problem, I'll give it to you. Right? We had the, the, those that were impure couldn't bring the first, they couldn't bring the first Passover sacrifice, they brought the second Passover sacrifice. God says, you, all, all you want is the ability to increase your level of spirituality, no problem, I'll give it to you. So those great rabbis that they cried for the loss of Jerusalem, we, we already explained. What were they crying for? They're saying, God, I, I so much want to have a greater connection to you, but I don't have the ability. I don't have the first temple. I don't have the second temple. I, I don't have Israel the way it was. So I don't have the ability to go ahead and, and become a greater person. God says, no problem. You're crying for the loss of Jerusalem, You'll rejoice in its rebuilding. That you may not live to see the physical building rebuilt, but that's not what you were crying about. You weren't crying that you about the physical building. You were crying about what you could accomplish. That God says I'm going to give you, and that becomes just amazing. I know it's 
so again, why are we sitting? Why are we sad for these three weeks? Right? Why is this part of the calendar? Why do we care? We care because it gives me an amazing opportunity. Yes, I'm sad about what happened, but the three weeks, this sad period of time is to help me go ahead and become a better person. That's what it's all about. And the music is playing. And as always, I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to our wonderful sponsor listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David and Kelsey in the back. I have left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and our streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. The world was gonna make.